Hello, 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 Boss Babes. Welcome to our other series of mini-sodes featuring Boss Babes in the Ottawa Valley and Lanark County that go beyond entrepreneurs and business owners. We are recognizing role models, activists, corporate leaders, and working professionals who are breaking barriers, sparking important conversations, and championing for change. We want to be inclusive and embrace those that are making an impact, are changing their communities, and are bringing awareness to topics that sometimes have the potential to generate controversy. Because ambitious and powerful boss babes aren't just making waves in the entrepreneurship world, and they too need to be heard. Now let's kickstart the conversation. Welcome to Boss Babe Corner. We all know how important it is to further your education when you're young. As the saying goes, it takes a village. That's why we're offering a $2,500 scholarship opportunity to graduating high school students who plan on attending college, university, or trade program. Simply tell us what community means to you. I'm Melissa Siegel, General Manager of 104.9 MyFM. Our entire team believes in the power of community and investing in the leaders of tomorrow. We look forward to hearing from you. To find out more details on how to apply for the Community First Scholarship, visit pembroketoday.ca. Deadline for submissions is June 3rd. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Boss Babe Corner. Back in 1855, residents looked forward to receiving their daily copy of the Pembroke Daily Observer until it was announced that the publication would be discontinued in 2018. However, the Daily Observer became the Pembroke Observer, producing weekly copies to residents in Pembroke and Petawawa, and like all journalists and reporters in print media, they have seen the transformations, the layoffs, and the minimizing of staff as we have progressed to online media and are seeing more newspapers in recycling bins instead of on coffee tables. But after 24 years and slowly nearing what many would start considering retirement, she has left the Pembroke Observer and has embarked on a new career opportunity as the media relations and social media coordinator at the County of Renfrew, which leaves many of her beloved readers asking the question, why? Now it's my turn to be the reporter and ask her the questions. Please welcome Tina Plopinski, former multimedia journalist and news editor of the Pembroke Observer to Boss Babe Corner. Hello, Holly. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is different being on this side, answering the questions and not asking them. So we'll do my, I'll do my best. <laughs> I know, Tina. I was like thinking about that today as I was like getting your bio ready. And I'm like, this is going to be so different. Like roles reverse. Now it's like, you know, this next generation of reporters and <laughs> conducting <laughs> interviews a little bit differently than newspapers. Like who'd ever think that, you know, back in the day, we'd be seeing people doing podcast interviews, all of us working from home. Although Really funny enough, you've been working from home longer than a lot of us have. Yes, uh, we had a flood at the Observer office um, in 2017 on Valentine's Day, surprisingly enough. And uh, after that, we went, uh, we moved to working from home. So we were pros way before COVID times. So, um, but it's nice now I do get to get out of the house and go to an office. So <laughs> it's, it's a nice change. Tina, you have had a job that many of us have dreamed of. So being a journalist in a small town, working for a newspaper, capturing the exciting newsworthy stories, showcasing upcoming events, but you've also had your share of breaking news that might have hit home personally or have been difficult to speak to the person that you were interviewing. 
But nonetheless, it was actually a career that I personally always wanted to get into, but I thought that I had to move away to a large city to do. But you managed to secure a job at the Pembroke Observer back when it was originally the Daily Observer, shortly after you finished journalism school. So you've had quite the career these past 24 years. So let's dive right in, Tina. Let's hear about your journey. Yes. Uh, so I went away to college at Cambrian College in Sudbury for two years where I took the print journalism program. And then back in those days, um, we had to do a placement at the end of our two years. So I was actually lucky enough to get to come back and work at the Observer uh, for my, I think it was a six-week placement. And that was when it was a bustling newsroom of probably three editors and maybe five or six reporters at the time. So everyone was very welcoming, took me under their wing, showed me the ropes. And uh, so, yeah, I got to do that for the six weeks. I'm sure back in that day it was people weren't using computers as much. So I remember a lot of typesetting different press releases or letters even to the editor back in that day. So there was a lot of that kind of work, but I did uh, get to go out and cover assignments and shadow reporters. So that was nice to learn, learn how things were done here. And then um, after that, I actually, uh, that summer, again, my, my luck, I was quite lucky in, in the early days, I was hired on as a freelancer uh, back in the summer. So that would have been in 20, or no, sorry, 1998. And um, so I covered, that was back before Laurentian Valley was formed. So there was Petawawa Council, which I covered, Allison Frazier and Stafford Pembroke Council. So basically it was my job to go to the meetings and report whatever was important coming out of it. And I got paid $1 per inch of copy that I supplied. So that was how I got, uh, got my start and started building relationships with municipal uh, staff and counselors. So, so that kind of, is interesting now that I'm a municipal staff person because I've been working with them for so long uh, through my role as a reporter. And uh, so then I did that, like I say, for the summer. And then in October, 1998, I was actually hired full-time when there were two newspapers in Pembroke. So there was the Pembroke Observer and then there was still the Advertiser News. So I actually got hired full-time at the Advertiser news where I was mainly covering school board and that's when I started covering the Pembroke Lumber Kings which is I always have covered or attended games since I was young and it was always kind of my dream to cover cover the team you know so that was pretty exciting that I got to do that and uh, that's continued right up actually I'm still helping Anthony a little bit and I actually covered the team banquet last night so I still have to get that story and do the photos to him sort of uh, yeah, so that's, so I did that for, I guess, a few years, and then the Observer and the news kind of just merged, so then I went back to the Observer in 2001 and been there ever since, so. Wow, what a journey, and you know what, like I had mentioned earlier, Tina, like that was something that I had really wanted to get into, was into journalism, and I was like, oh my gosh, how great would it be to work for a newspaper or a magazine, and I remember my parents, you know, like as encouraging as they 
they were, they were also, you know, trying to be realistic being like, well, you know what, like there are people who've been at the observer and the post for years. These people do not retire until like the very <laughs> end. And there's usually someone already kind of waiting to take their place. So if you are going to want to get into this, you're going to have to move to the city. And that was just like something that was not for me. Um, and obviously we recognize your name and Anthony's name, which you mentioned earlier, the edit, the editor, um, who have been there, you know, for, for years and years and years. And so you guys were actually like, you guys were the dream team, but there was a time when the observer was bumping with staff in a full office. So it was you, Anthony, and about another 68 coworkers. So whereabouts was the office located? So we were on Alexander Street when I first started. So it was a, a very large building. It spanned like a whole block. It was a narrow building, but it went all the way almost to um, Agnes Street, I think it is back there. And so, yeah, and those times, like we had a, the press was in the building in the back. We had a huge warehouse area for the mailroom employees and they were responsible for um, creating the flyer bundles and putting them in the newspaper. And that was a sort of off limits area because of all the machinery. So, I mean, on a quiet day, you'd try and sneak through there, but otherwise you had to come in the front door. And uh, so at that time there was classified and circulation and finance people. So that was in the downstairs and then upstairs, uh, there was editorial, as I mentioned, it was, it was a, quite a large newsroom back in the day. And then uh, there was a large group of advertising people as well. And also we had ad builders who actually a group of graphic designers who actually would receive the information from the advertising reps and they would actually create the ads in-house. Over the years that sort of changed and was outsourced as the numbers dwindled. Um, but yeah, so it was it was quite a collaborative effort you know, of, uh, I think, yeah, there were about 70 people when I first started. So quite a difference to the, well, once we went to, there were about five of us, I guess, once the main layoffs happened in 2018, as you mentioned, when we went down to the weekly. So at that time we lost uh, two full-time advertising people and we lost two full-time um, people in editorial. So that's when it became Anthony and I, and then uh, two sales reps, and then the main circulation manager, so. But how do you guys drop down to just two people to manage and oversee a newspaper? Well, it, it was it was a challenge, I'm not going to lie. Luckily, like you said, Anthony and I work very well together. We've worked together for a long time and he's always been a, a wonderful boss and someone I could, you know, bounce ideas off of. I'm sure sometimes he was annoyed with the ding of my email maybe because I was asking him questions but he was always uh, very patient and very helpful. And, and uh, yeah, so we, we were a great team and uh, it was just, yeah, it's to think of all the things we did. I mean, even going back to the flood, we, we never missed a beat. Like we had the flood that day and we regrouped in the, uh, in the kitchen cafe, which was in our office building and in the West End, and we decided what we had to do, and we didn't even miss a paper the day after our flood, and, you know, that just proves, I guess, our dedication, like you mentioned, it's, it, it is a labor of love, there's a lot of long hours, and strange hours, and things like that, so you really have to, <laughs> have to like it, and care for the community you live in, and to share the stories, so. 
So when did the Daily Observer become a weekly newspaper? Yeah, so in 2018, um, our company decided that uh, the daily paper was just no longer viable, unfortunately. And um, like we, uh, we did already have the news at the time, we were sort of producing them together. So it would basically be the news would go out on the weekly basis with the flyers. And, um, but then it transitioned to that was our only paper, but then the focus also shifted to the website. Um, we still update that daily, um, even though the stories would only go out um, in the one weekly edition. So yeah, that was in 2018 in July. And over the years, there have been many different outlets to discover newsworthy stories like word of mouth, flyers and posters, TV news reports, and much of that does still remain along with social media now. And once the paper did transition to become weekly, like how did you narrow it down and decide which articles were capturing enough to feature? Uh, yeah, we do have to really depend on the community as our numbers dwindled. Uh, as far as reporters, we would have to depend on the community to, to share events with us. And now it's even gone even further, like with Anthony being by himself, like if people can submit sort of their own write-ups and things that will really, really help him. And uh, I guess you just have to think of the audience still, you know, um, as far as what, what would be of interest. And uh, yeah, I guess reaching the, the biggest audience, I guess would still be our, 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 our priority, but it would also be, like I say, featuring, it was more featurey, I guess, as we transition to like, just being able to feature different events or, or people in the community that others might not otherwise know about, I guess, which isn't always easy with social media. As you mentioned, a lot of people do their own promotion and stuff, so. And Tina, what about a front page news headliner story? Like at times when there are huge news stories that could be considered headliners, like there was a big windstorm that caused severe damage to the town or the Lumber Kings scored big and took home the trophy for the season or, um, or someone huge is flying into the Pembroke airport. Like how do you guys decide what makes the cut to go on the front page? Well, even now in our format, I mean, there's only really a photo on the front page and then a few teasers, right? So it that was challenging during COVID times, like because nobody was doing anything. So that was one of the challenges to find a front page photo during those times. And uh, yeah, but you all you would worry about like focusing on community events and things like that, usually that throw into a story. So page two and three are the hard, it would be like hard news stories, I guess, more hard news, like council stories or just big announcements and things like that would be kind of upfront and then get more featurey as as the pages go you know what I mean so yeah like I could not imagine how difficult it must have been for you guys to decide what goes on the front cover during the pandemic because that's two years of no events really going on it's like okay what do we talk about so and so was like social gathering when they shouldn't have been you know you're not going to call somebody out <laughs> on the front page or it's like um okay, there's a virtual event going on along with many other, like, you know what I mean? Like, what would you do? There's no hockey games going on. Everyone's at home. Like, I have to ask you then, like, what would be like a newsworthy story for during the pandemic that you guys like ran with? Well, it's funny. It just came up in my Facebook memories. Actually, my niece and nephew 
uh, they had done a chalk art on their driveway thanking frontline workers and their mom's actually a nurse she works at the hospital so we that came up my memories that we had put that on the front page so there was a lot of that just we had to rely on submitted photos as you mentioned because there weren't events and there's only so many zoom captures of all the people in yeah. the picture that you could run right like that got pretty old pretty quick so we had to get creative but as I say we never we never missed a beat we never missed a newspaper um edition so yeah I have a whole stack here on my old my old desk that I I should have flipped through quickly at the beginning of pandemic times but I think it was just if there were people out in the community sort of showing their appreciation for the frontline workers, I think we highlighted a lot of those uh, people just because that was top of everyone's mind during the beginning of the pandemic, right? So, you know, it would have been a good cap, like eye capturing um, headliner, Tina. Did Carol Baskin kill her husband? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> during the pandemic I remember like going for a drive in Pembroke and I think it was Pembroke Nissan who had like that on their sign and I was like yes that is amazing <laughs> the things that we watched the things that we did during the pandemic like even the the fairies I don't know if you ever heard about that too like no. oh the fairies like I can't remember what they were called but they were like um, on these like Facebook groups and you'd go to Dollarama and you'd like get a bunch of stuff in like a little gift basket. And then someone would comment and say that they wanted to be like gifted oh, okay. a, a yes, visit from a fairy. And then you'd like bring okay. them alcohol or treats and stuff. And, <laughs> and then it got shut down because people were getting upset about who was getting what. Oh my goodness. I just know that from the beginning of COVID, I have a stack of recipes that I used to, used to write out. Cause I, I have a very old computer and it takes too long to print things. So I've handwritten recipes because I know everybody was cooking in the beginning of COVID. Yes. So I've, I found some tried and true recipes though that I still make now. I mean, and I would think, I remember one day, like I used to do that bake in the middle of the day. And one time I brought Anthony muffins, you know, he was having a bad day. It's like, it was, it was, so, it was so weird how the world just stopped, you know, like it was, when you think back of how it was, it was just, it was crazy. But like I say, we, we still kept putting out newspapers. So yep. you I guess guys kept we, on going essential yes. workers, essential yeah. workers, right? Tina? Yes. <laughs> All right. So getting a little bit away from the pandemic talk, I do want to still kind of focus though on memorable news stories that you've reported on throughout the year. So can you share a couple, you know, that you, that are a little bit more memorable than others uh, through your time at the observer? Yeah, for sure. So um, when I, I was a very uh, young reporter, and I actually covered a murder trial for Sherelle Dell. She, uh, that was very interesting. She was charged, as I mentioned, with murder. She had um, poisoned her husband with antifreeze in wine. So that was a very twisty case that I, uh, I got to sit in on and listen to all the details. And there was Yes, it was a very, very sordid tale. So that was, uh, that was interesting listening and then reading. Uh, and then earlier, uh, early in my career too, I, I seem to have a knack for sort of tugging at the heartstrings, I guess, in my reporting. So I, this was before Facebook and GoFundMe and people could kind of do their own um promotion of these things but I, I interviewed a lot of families that had sick children and it was 
it always amazed me the strength of those parents who were dealing with those things and even the kids, the resilience of the children who were dealing with these things. So I, I, I don't want to say I enjoyed those stories, but I, I think I did a good job telling those stories um, to the community and highlighting and a lot of times kids needed you know money for for different things so like I say before the GoFundMe day so that was I always uh, I really appreciated these families opening their homes and sharing those stories with me because they were going through you know very difficult times and I was essentially a stranger but I really was able I think to connect with with those families and uh, also I mentioned the Lumber Kings. It was, I've covered them for many, many years and it was pretty exciting when they finally, you know, went on their, their five-year championship run and then they, they won the national championship. Uh, that was pretty neat to, to kind of be involved with that. I remember watching the game on TSN and uh, the final game and being so thrilled and then covering the parade and everything when they when they came home so that was that was pretty thrilling just as a reporter and also sort of as someone who had been following the team for so many years so those are ones that really uh, stand out for me you're kind of like you know getting that inside look at the community and seeing people you know progress in their careers and grow up and retire and and I mean of course you see the obituaries too being like oh and I I interviewed that person you know back in the day and so mm -hmm. having that personal connection I think you know would be so invaluable yes I mean and there's a lot of people obviously like you mentioned I've interviewed a lot of people over the years so I've people have stopped me and and you know said something about referred to a story and a lot of times it was you know racking my brain to try and figure out what story or who they were and so I, I got kind of good at faking it I guess to to know the connection but I was pretty good with faces so I might have walked away from them but then eventually I would sort of remember remember the story so and you mentioned the obits I used to shout out to my mom she always would read the obituaries and I would sort of laugh at her. But then as we got on here, we would receive the classified pages for the paper. And then I would find myself, you know, oh yes, as you mentioned, oh, I knew that person or this person had passed away from this connection or, so I guess that comes with getting older, but that, that does happen to all of us. You know, you spend a little more time in those pages. It's true, yeah. So Tina, you turn 45 in a few days, not to call out your age or anything, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you are close to the age of potential retirement in a few years, you know, five, 10 years. So what influenced your decision to want to leave and pursue a different opportunity instead of just sticking it out at the newspaper for a few more years? Well, you know, I never, I never thought I would leave. I, I pictured myself at this desk for many more years, but, um, this opportunity came up with the County of Renfrew and um, many people encouraged me to, to look at it seriously. And at first I was quite hesitant because as we've discussed, it is just Anthony and I. So I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to leave him in the lurch, I guess, but uh, he was so supportive. Like when he found out I was considering it, he, he's been nothing but supportive through the process, which I've been so thankful for because it has made it easier. And uh, I guess these, these opportunities just don't come up very often 
um, for someone with my background of, you know, journalism, you, you just have to, I just had to take a leap of faith and, you know, think that this, this was something that I could maybe do. I mean, honestly, it was a quite a frightening process because as I've mentioned, I sort of lucked into things. So I haven't really ever done a, a proper job interview. <laughs> so it was, it was a stressful process. Luckily I had some help from a friend who just kind of went through a similar career, career move as well. So she's been very supportive of me or very helpful, sorry. And just kind of walking me through the process that she went through. And um, yeah, it was just, I guess, a leap of faith and, and kind of even knowing if I, if I could do it, you know what I mean? Something different because I never considered it really. Now, are you aware if Anthony plans on hiring another or additional staff to help him out? Uh, yeah, he is in the, in the process, but um, he has to go through a sort of an online hiring process. I believe that um, it's, it's adding, I think some challenges he's heard from other um editors in his position who've been trying to hire that it it uh, it's not as easy as it could be so he is I believe in the process but he's not sure how long it uh, it will take so I have been helping him a little bit if I can um, because I know he can't work 24 hours every day so as I mentioned I covered the Lumber King banquet and I got some quotes for him during the some of the playoff games he was there taking photos but if I can help him, I can, and I'll be putting out obviously some press releases from the county. So I'm sort of thinking of him in that, that it'll be something easy for him to get on the website for, for something new that day. So I'm helping him in ways that I can. <laughs> like I say, I never, I never thought it would come to this, but like I say, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, pass up this opportunity. So, yeah. but uh, he, he'll find someone great and and I will help them if I can as well. So yeah, that's, that's what happens. The circle of life. That's yes. <laughs> that's how it goes in the career world. Um, but let's talk about your new career though, Tina, I want to hear all about your new role at the County of Renfrew and how the transition has been so far for you. Cause now you've been in your role for about two, two weeks now or so. Yep. Yes. So, um, it's, it's been a little scary, but uh, also good. I've uh, had many dealings, obviously, with the county over the years, as I did cover county council and uh, different county events. So I do know a lot of people there, and uh, everyone has been very welcoming and uh, helping me out. So I'm still, obviously, like you say, I'm two weeks in. I'm still kind of feeling things out, and it is weird going from working from home and just kind of being self-sufficient to knowing that there's so much other support within the building, even as far as like IT, like just having that support, you have to kind of wrap your head around it. It seems like something so simple for people who always work in an office, but it's, uh, it's just really wrapping my head around it. And I've been able to rely on some, uh, some really helpful folks that sit near me who were kind of filling in for the job uh, while it was vacant. So they've been really helpful and make, helping me make connections and things like that. So uh, the first week was very busy. It was committee week uh, for the county. So uh, Monday was, uh, there were no committees that day, but then there were two committees, two committees and one committee, sort of the rest of the week. 
And uh, luckily I started with two short weeks. So maybe that helped too, to kind of ease me into the new world with Easter. But uh, yeah, so far so good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, really sort of embracing, embracing the new role and making it my own. Uh, if I can down the road, whenever I kind of get my, get my feet firmly planted. Isn't it nice though, Tina, now that you don't have to take on the world and every single job that falls under you now, like, like you had said that there is it, there is admin support there, you know, you don't have to do it all anymore. And not just that, I have to echo what you said with working for a great team, Paul Morrow. I, I work closely with the County. I work close with Jackie Stodd in economic development. Uh, I work close with Ottawa Valley, uh, travel and tourism association. So I am very well aware of all the people in that office and you are working amongst some great people. And, uh, I think that you are just a wonderful asset to the team. They could not have chosen a better person. Well, thank you so much. And those people you mentioned, those are, those are the girls that have been out and Paul, they've, been helping me out because Jackie was in that role so I've I've knocked on her cubicle door quite a few times and said what do I do about this you know or and Erin Norris uh, from the OVTA she sits right ahead of me and we've we've known each other for years uh, back to her time with the OSPCA so she was actually the first person that welcomed me because Paul sent out an internal memo saying that I was a successful candidate which I didn't know obviously but soon I got a little messenger uh, pop up from Aaron saying oh my goodness we just heard the news I'm so thrilled so that was like I say I've been welcomed every step of the way and also the warden has been very uh, supportive because we we go way back to from our observer days so <laughs> so what do you think Tina is next for the Pembroke Observer like do you think hard copy newspapers are eventually going to retire altogether and completely become digital like what do you think is next I mean, that's always a possibility. I don't know at my going away dinner that, I mean, that wasn't really a speculation, but that was the first time we'd really all been together for quite a while because during the beginning of COVID, we used to have like a weekly breakfast or I mean, prior to COVID when we first had our office flood or whatever, we would all go for breakfast once a week just to remain connected. And then that kind of stopped during COVID. So at my dinner was the first time we'd all really been together. So you know, there was talk about what's next and especially from the circulation point of view. Um, unfortunately, people don't read newspapers anymore in the hard form. And I mean, luckily, I think we've been kept going because of the flyers and the advertising, right? That's what's kept us, kept the paper going. And even now though, people turn to their phone for, for flyers and ad, you know, ad apps and things like that. So so I really don't know what, uh, what, how long, I mean, the, the people that are there now, they're, they're committed to still, you know, doing the job. And now it's down to three of them and because one lady is off, uh, off sick. So there's one advertising, one editorial, one circulation. So they're, they're committed to keeping things going as long as possible, but uh, I don't have a crystal ball. So I'm not sure what, <laughs> what the future holds, but I mean, I'll, I'll still be supporting it. Like I say, I have my stack of papers here and I still go through it each week to see, you know, what's because I'm not in the know anymore. Right. So which is kind of weird for me. So 
You're going to have to be like the rest of us relying on my FM and, you know, people asking questions in like Pembroke, Petawawa. I don't know if this is the place for, you know, when people ask yeah. advice and stuff like yes. what's going on here. Does anyone know what, does anyone know what, what like what's going on on Dorn road? Like that, that fire that just you know, happened, you know, like that's how we're going to have to find out like the rest of us folks here, Tina. Well, that's the thing because I used to listen to the police scanner. That was like my background noise here at my desk, right? Like just in case something big happened. And I mean, I haven't listened to it for two weeks now. Although the other day I, there was a siren somewhere and I'm like seeing if it still worked to see, well, what's happening, you know, kind of thing, because it is weird being on the outside, I guess, but I'll, I will adapt, I guess. I don't know. I'm still, still getting used to it here not having the press releases now I have to be the one sending them out so it's that's right it's a different world <laughs> that's right that's I know it is a different world all right Tina and what is one piece of advice that you would give to an aspiring journalist or news reporter looking to make their big career move into the news industry well you really have to be versed in a lot of subjects especially in a small newspaper like the observer because with just two of you, you need to know a little bit about everything and then, you know, rely on people to, to help you through um, to get that important information. And also back in the day, like Anthony started out as more of just a photographer, but then eventually like it used to be, I don't, it wasn't as much when I started, but I mean, at one point there would be a reporter and a photographer from the paper going to an event, right? But you have to know sort of how to take photos. In some instances, you have to worry about video and then social media, you know? So there's just a lot of different, a lot of different aspects. So I think organization is really important and um, just really staying on top of things and making good contacts. I mean, that's really important. That was really important for me just having knowing who I could go to if I was, you know, working on a story about a certain topic and just having those contacts and an organization. And just when you thought that you might be off the hook, Tina, I do still have <laughs> one last question. I have to slide over to you. <laughs> who is another local boss babe in our community that you think everyone should know about? Well, I sort of gave her a little shout out, but I'm going to talk a little bit about Warden Debbie Robinson. She and I, as I mentioned, go way back uh, to the Observer days. She taught me a lot about, about, you know, the importance of, of sharing people's stories in the community. And she helped me a lot over the years. I can remember sitting beside her desk and her, you know, maybe ripping things apart in her Debbie way, but it, it's ingrained in me just how to how to carry myself and how to report on things. But now as the warden, she is, uh, she's been in politics for 15 years. You know, she was the first female Reeve in Laurentian Valley. Now she's in her third term as the Renfrew County warden. She is so committed to the county and the residents and, um, you know, any opportunity she gets to promote it in other places, because she's also the chairwoman of the Eastern Ontario Wardens Caucus. So she she promotes Renfrew County every opportunity she gets and just wants the best for all of the residents of Renfrew County. And I have really appreciated having her uh, in my first couple of weeks in that corner office there at the county building where I can 
knock on her door and, you know, just ask her questions just because of our history. So I've really appreciated that. And I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to work with her in this new role. So real quick, how did you two used to work together then? Well, she was the editor at the Daily Observer. Gotcha. So she started right. her career. Well, she, uh, she was in journalism as well. So um, yeah, she was my editor for, for many years. We probably would have been the only two women in the newsroom. So um, yeah, so we've always just uh, had a connection and she's always been a cheerleader for me and I appreciate that. So that's so cool. I love that, you know, now that after all these years, you guys are now working again together. That's so mm -hmm. cool. Yes. Tina, thank you so much for taking your lunch hour and spending it with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to see how you're going to transition and make this your new role. And uh, we'll be following you on the County of Renfrew's uh, social media pages and reading the press releases that you put <laughs> out. So you're, uh, you're still going to be a public figure and we're, we're going to know where to find you. Yes. Well, thank you very much, um, Holly. I really appreciate, or I really enjoyed our chat and I appreciate you wanting to, to highlight me as, like I say, I'm usually the one asking the questions, but uh, I guess I'll have to get used to answering them here now too. So that's right. I, I appreciate that. Everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Boss Babe Corner. We'll be back in two weeks with another uh, local Boss Babe featured in your community. <laughs>